0: a sacrifice we have lost touch with the principles in the constitution nobody's read the declaration of independence
1: you are voting for socialism and you got what you voted for welcome bold americans to another episode of america emboldened as always i'm your host greg bolden both here on the America Out Loud Network, as well as streaming, because it's a Friday show airing on Thursday nights live on all your social media platforms, except for YouTube. I've been removed from YouTube. I went too far. I broke the the laws. I talked about that thing that you can't talk about like Voldemort. Yes. I was talking about the who's vaccine study they did over the 99 billion doses. So thank you to all those other platforms that are still engaged in this conversation tonight and allow me to broadcast to you, the bold American audience as always. Make sure you head over to americaoutloud.news where you can check out all my colleagues' work, people like the great Dr. Peter McCullough that you heard earlier in the show, as well as some other great names, such as my co-host, Chris Michaels. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good, Greg. How about you? I can't complain. I'm doing well, man. It's been a good week. You know, we just had a major outage of uh, all cell phone companies today, likely due to solar storms and maybe just a little bit of a cyber attack. And that actually excites me because maybe we're going to finally go back to having to talk to one another and getting the phones out of our hands.
2: I would like to see Morse code come back, maybe put up some telegraph poles. Uh, Semaphore. Semaphore is very, very good for aerobic or anaerobic exercises. You can wave your arms around. Who knows? If you do it fast enough, you can actually get some lift.
1: I was just going to buy a pigeon and send my pigeon up to Long Island whenever I need to get in touch with you. You know, we can we can do a show by pigeon from here on out. You know, it's I'm not sure i
2: make it past Manhattan with all the other pigeons in there. May get a very
1: <laughs> <laughs> might find a girlfriend along yes. the way. You know, I have to get a female uh, bird and hope that it doesn't find a stud.
2: I know. I know. All very, right. very interesting week in politics, too. Yeah, very, very interesting, especially when it comes to Trump and what's been going on with that and what we're finding about about Fannie Willis. And all these connections but
1: well, we're gonna have a lot to talk about and we got a guest tonight that's having these type of difficult conversations that you and i have uh so our guest tonight is brian Escal. he's the host of searching for political identity and he's been kind of on a tear of interviewing all the libertarian presidential candidates over the last uh, month or so a lot of the candidates i've had on the show myself people like mike termot who absolutely is one of my favorite human beings in the world. Uh, Michael Rechtenwald who actually stood us up, Chris Michaels, you remember that? Stop. Um, I know he got a little busy. He got overbooked yeah. on his schedule that time and he's supposed to do the show still in the future, but, uh, we have not yeah. gotten him back since then. He had a family okay. emergency. So, you know, best, but we'll get into <laughs> The family emergency is still going on. Here we are like 30 days later. I hope they're okay. <laughs> but, but Brian is doing, uh, along the same lines of what I do. Uh, he is trying to ask questions about why our political ideologies ingrained the way they are in this country, and can we figure out what is our political identity as an individual? Uh, are we a label in a silo, or are we able to have other larger conversations? And I'm curious, in his two years on his journey of doing his podcast, or a little bit longer than that, we'll get into that in a few minutes with him, what has he learned? Uh, Has he found a political identity? Has his political identity shifted and changed throughout life? All these great questions of the cosmos to be answered right now as we welcome Brian Escal to the stage. Brian, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that introduction. It means a lot to be here.
1: Absolutely, Brian. Now, uh, I've been following your work uh, for the last several months. You popped up one day on my Twitter feed or X, whatever the cool kids are calling it. And I I was like, hey, here's somebody who's doing work similar to what I'm doing, a kindred spirit, so so to speak. And so I was very curious about, let's get back to the basics. Tell people about who you are, why did you start your show and uh, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it goes back to growing up in a progressive home, being influenced by and very much concerned with the opinion of my father and his brother, who are very politically left-leaning guys. In fact, my uncle Rick Richard Uh, was Bernie Sanders' third hire in 2016 as a speechwriter. So that's the family dynamic, the energy politically that I come from. And um, was somewhat of an atheist slash agnostic person in high school and college. And generally, I have to admit, and part of my revelation is that I was a low-information voter. As smart as I think I am and all of that, and as interested in politics as I like to say that I was you know, I was just voting for Democrats. Okay. And time went on. And then I got bored at work. I'm a construction manager by day. I got a little restless. And I said, let me go to law school, uh, feed the mind a little bit. And it was fantastic. And that was a big, you know, stepping stone to beginning the process of searching for political identity. But what really did it was studying critical race theory in my final year in two electives, um, with a, with an unbelievably phenomenal professor and the, but the material was controversial. It just was. And the atmosphere in the classroom was even more controversial. So when you combine all of that with current events, Trump, Trump derangement syndrome, vaccines, COVID, all of it together, how could you not be right? So
1: that's kind of what happened. All right. So how long have you been doing the show now Did I get it right? Is it about two years or is it three? three, three years. Okay. I was off by a year. You know, when you start doing this though, it's easy to, to lose track of time. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I was it's just, t- a, it's just about doing it right. It's just exactly. about being in it. Yeah. Like I, I was doing the math recently and I was like, wow, I have a year's worth of shows recorded. You could listen to one show a day and mm. still have more episodes. And I'm thinking how many minutes have been recorded of my voice, you know, AI, I, I think there's probably a version of me at this point in time out there. You know, yeah. they got my intelligence. Yeah. We got to come back to AI at at some point. Oh, we will. We're going to get into a ton of things. You got Chris Michaels on the show here with us. Like, Mm. trust me, this is going to be for those that are tuning in right now live, uh, feel free to leave your comments and questions that you have topics you want us to address. We're certainly going to go there tonight uh, with this. All right. So Brian, you start off in this progressive home and family. What's wrong with that? I mean, Honestly, i like to kind of ask the questions of, I don't believe that people are, uh, should be demonized for being a progressive, nor do I think that a conservative or a right wing person should be demonized. Um, you know, was that a bad thing? A good thing? Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah,
0: great question. Nothing. And it certainly wasn't my growth and knowledge of economics. So it wasn't the economic issues. It was the social issues. Right. And I think at the end of the day, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, is there something different about the social context we live in today than the past? Well, of course. than when I was growing up, yes. And, you know, obviously not to be bigoted in any sense, I hope that's obvious, but there's just so much questioning from the left and critical race theory becomes a part of it. But generally the critique, the critical, where it all comes from, the idea that our society, um, is, is oppressive. And it's just the, I think there's so much on the left socially that I began to question just,
1: yeah. So it was the social issues. Okay. So let's go to the critical race theory. I mean, that sounds like a barrel of fun here. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was it that didn't settle well with you or what settled well with you, uh, during that class? You know what it was, was
0: here I am sitting in this class and I'm being told that all around me, I should have known all this time that this society is harming black people right now on a daily basis, and I'm just ignoring it. I'm just ignorant to it. I didn't want to believe that that could be so true. The picture that's painted in the class and what it is in a sentence is the premise that society needs to be radically transformed to achieve racial equity. The idea that our structures do um, perm, you know, create white hegemony, is the word, and that just socially, economically, politically, and so how to fix that. And so it's just, here I was questioning my political identity any, anyway, but this was just an
1: explosion of, oh my God, could I have been this ignorant? You almost didn't want to believe it. And here we are, three white guys hosting a podcast right now, having this conversation. Fine. I mean, fine. Wh- what great experts we are on this topic to begin with. I'd like to throw a little... No,
0: no, but I know what I studied in right. class from the mind of an expert who was, I could go on and tell you about my professor who was a probably early 60s, late 50s, black man, super esteemed. Uh, just, so I know what I learned in that class. And uh, what I learned is that... It's a question of assimilation, ultimately. The idea that we have a society, a structure, and that outsiders are going to have different views than insiders and that that battle needs to happen. It's, the absorption is not healthy for the outsiders. And so it, you know it makes you go, from the very first time you're uncomfortable checking a box about your race, right? I think I was in fifth grade when I had to do that in school. And I was like, why? So full circle to that. It's like, are you really telling me that black people can't su- succeed in this society, it's very controversial.
1: I, I like to cover this topic from a couple different uh, sections. One, my day job. My day job, I'm a public school teacher. I teach audio, radio, video. Mm. When people hear the word critical race theory, I think that there's two different things that they think about. First, they think about this uh, shaming white people uh, for being white. I don't see mm. that as what critical race theory is. Uh, my understanding of it has always been when I'm in the classroom teaching audio radio video, I need to teach the entire history, not just the popularized things that maybe I think students should know. I need to teach about why was it that blackface was used in movies early on? Why is it that uh, we didn't have somebody winning an Oscar until uh, Hattie won the Oscar and then a male later on uh, with Sidney Poitier? what was going on in Hollywood to color that now other people would say, well, that's critical race theory. I see that as well. You need to teach history so you don't repeat it in the future. Um, hmm. I'm kind of curious, what's your thoughts based upon my two impressions about, uh, yeah. how you think people fall that you've interviewed and where you're laying now? Well,
0: <laughs> I haven't through any interviews gained any more insight than I did in the classroom. And I would just say that there is a part critical race theory. can be viewed as a two part thing like history and that's understanding real history and being exposed to real history. That's valid, but there's also a prescriptive element to it. There's just no question. Okay. So what are you going to do about it is the point that's critical race theory? What are you going to do about it? You know, teaching is not merely enough. Teaching is part of it. Definitely. But it's, it's a question of, So the critical race theory falls into a a spectrum for how uh, the professor, at least, who's definitely a student of Derrick Bell, and he's just an expert, man. There's traditionalism, reformism, critical race theory, and something called limited separatism. And traditionalism is the average Republican, Ted Cruz. The civil rights movement did its job. It was a great thing. Ted Cruz would certainly tell you the civil rights movement was a great thing. Right, he well, Of course, he would. And he would say that was it, man. And you know, not to act like everything is hunky dory, but to say that you you don't need anything. You know, you can. You're doing fine, and you don't need anything additional. And the reformist says no. The race neutrality principle. We want to get there, but even more important than that is racial um, uh, progression, advancement, being conscious and helping underserved communities. And then critical race theory is the idea that, no, it's, it's gotta go full bore, you gotta restructure everything to, to make um, equality or equity, whatever you wanna say, racially. So it's, it's... and then limit, limited separatism was just the idea that uh, apparently Derek Bell on his deathbed, as it was told to me, lamented that CRT didn't get embraced by the mainstream American culture, which of course in the view is is white, Um, so therefore limited separatism is just, Hey, let's have separate black communities, not separate, excuse me. Let me be precise. Primarily black institutions that are always at least a majority black think HBCUs, but on a bigger scale communally, (laughs) it's just sad, right? To be thinking that we want to be thinking that way. Although. I recently spoke to someone about that and they said, Hey, there's a certain amount of sense to be made about having us building stronger communities, whatever, but to be learning
1: this stuff in law school. Right. So I mean, you, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. So we have really two major political parties that I think have kind of wings to them at this point in time, you have your Democrats that have your moderate Democrat and you have your far left progressive Democrat And you have your conservative party, which I think has kind of gone to kind of the libertarian style minded conservative party. And then the alt-right as they get labeled by the media where it's like nobody but Donald Trump can solve the world's problems. Um, And I find that it's very difficult to play in any of these landscapes. And in this conversation that you just had about critical race theory and like, what are the problems in the world? I don't think it's fixable In the sense of, yes, you do have a Ted Cruz type of approach to things where he says, well, you know, the civil rights movement, it did its job and it's great. And now you have people saying, well, affirmative action should be ended because now it's discriminating upon another race. The problem is no one's addressing the poverty in the cities. Right. And many times it's incentivized in order to keep individuals in that type of poverty system. You have Democrats that have cashed in for years off of uh, racial inequality. Uh, and when I say cash in, they've used it as a voting point when really, I'd like to point out when you go to the Democrat cities, these are some of the poorest areas that are affecting uh, a, a racial minority in profound ways. So unless you upend the entire system of thinking a political party is going to solve my problems. You can't actually talk about how everybody can have what the Bill of Rights was supposed to define as everybody's right to the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, That's just not possible in a completely divided political sphere. Uh, You're going to find too many people that say, well, that Constitution is a literal document. That Constitution is a living document. That Constitution is a document that needs to change or be thrown out. So you do that, how do you have a conversation about how we interact with one another in this country and solve where there is any type of inequality. This
0: is where I will say I've gained a little insight since doing the podcast which in which I've talked mostly to libertarians. Because the libertarians will say there's no room for the state, there's no role for the state, there's no so it's a matter of is there a role for the state and what is that role and does it is addressing um, inequality as the result of uh, the past, part of it. So it's a great question. It's a perfect question for my podcast, and I think you can have creative and interesting conversations if you engage them in good faith with people from all diverse backgrounds. And what I enjoy lately is to think, okay, well, if I'm going to eventually buy into this libertarian, anarcho-capitalist vision, which it's a long way—I'm a long way from saying that I have—but I'm definitely enjoying playing with it what if you say hey look like can we address the historic inequalities first in a transition plan right so is it can you give something to everybody like that's an so i i don't know that there's an answer that doesn't involve something really long-term and creative where you give something to everybody
1: yeah i mean
0: you're advocating for socialism
1: in, in, well, in a so,
0: case. right. I mean, so what do you do? I mean, you know, should the state play a role in fixing this problem? Well, and everyone I'm talking to says, no, there's no role for the state. So what does the Republican say about that? The Republican says, no, that's promoting critical race theory and, and racial tensions. And the Democrats will say, no, it's just righting wrongs.
1: I I think it's not like, that's not so simple. So
0: the answer, I guess the answer would be to say, Hey, look guys, it's too divisive and probably not fair or necessary to talk about this by race. Let's look at it by class and let's ask ask ourselves, do we want to do something with this problem? I think that's much more palatable. I think that's the answer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I just, I, I hear this and I'm thinking when we just divide it into, this is the way this side thinks, that's the way that side thinks we don't get answers but I think the the larger argument when you went the class, that's a little bit better because I know I have a few listeners that are always like, you know, I grew up completely uh, poor and I'm white. This is my listener speaking when they, when they talk about it. Um, but they're like, I grew up completely poor. I grew up white and I don't feel like I owe any, uh, person of color, any type of reparations because I was not privileged. I didn't get anything up, uh, You know, uh, one of my listeners, like my father was in jail. Um, and so my family came
0: with a dollar in his pocket after the latest injustice happened to your ancestors.
1: And so uh, what I would like to see, quite honestly, and this is going to sound horrible, but I'd like to see us in some respects, start the move forward, move onward. Um, I understand that in order to do that, there are certain things that, Hey, it's, it's going to kind of suck. You're, you're born into shitty situations. I get that. But the more I think we tried to do handouts instead of truly want people to succeed, which I think that there's people that don't truly want people to succeed until we give people opportunities that are meaningful, nothing's going to change property. The ability to own property is a powerful, powerful tool. Our founding fathers knew that extremely well. Part of your rights is a right to property, which government has been trying to, restrict and take away over time um chris michaels you're over there being so quiet and that's not like you we got to get you into this conversation just i'm just holding right back
2: coughs that's it <laughs> i told you I'm i know you're not so, feeling well so hot so uh okay so i used to do in a prior life uh for about a year i used to do broadcasting on an all black podcasting network and we used to have some interesting conversations i had a um a black co-host for a while and he was more old school than anything else. So he would be able to reference, um, you ever hear the fifth percenters? Um, those guys.
0: I think so. Uh, yeah. Was that Islam?
2: Uh, close. Um, nation it, of Islam. No, no, no I, I don't think it was nation things of up? Islam as much. Uh, but basically it's, it's Freemasonry light. So they have a lot of, um, association with mathematics and all that. So that's where he was kind of coming from. So we got on the question of crime and all that, and I said to him, "Okay, so everybody says this thing, and that is, it's not the race, it's the culture. Okay, so what culture? What are we talking about here? How, how can you even define that?" And then I said, "If it's not the race, it's the uh, it's the culture. What would you do to fix it? Unlimited funds, you can spend however much money you want, but reparations is off the table." Had no answer. Hmm. So what is it? Do you want? An education, do you want that? You can get it for free. You Mm -hmm. know, I personally am of the mindset where a community college should probably be free. And there are some really good community colleges out there. Um, But if we're talking about trying to mend fences here and unite a culture again, what is it? Give me an honest answer where it uplifts everybody, where it uplifts the whole boat. And reparations, I don't want to hear about it what is it?
0: Well, you know, you guys would love this class because the professor knows that that's the man. He's, he's a realist. He knows that that is, is firmly believed by a lot of people. And I certainly had that view in class. I developed it. I realized I had it and he was masterful at approaching it. And you would, he would just say to you, you know, the poker chips, you know, property rights are supreme and so important, but you, the government deprived us of it. So, so how is it fair? It's fundamental fairness. And it does go to seeing between the black letter law and looking more towards the equity principles in the judicial system. To your earlier point about the constitution, how do you do it? It calls to use the, well, um, there are many who call to use the judicial branch to enact it. And that's a whole pro right. So not me, not me. It's, it's so, so you run up against these problems and then he'll say, I'm not trying to duck your question, Chris. I'm just saying, like, he'll say, see, see that structure, the, the constitution enshrines these principles that are white. And sadly it does reduce down to this. And so not every black person in an underserved community um would necessarily say that you know we need to make society socially equal among races but the you know there is a definitely an intellectual wing of black culture that says society needs to be restructured chris i mean that's what the crt is like radically every facet everything like every factor quotas like steroids like the whole thing what you're all all, everything that you're feeling it's everything um it's the that the ibram kendi like you have to inject us and fix it
2: Hmm. well i mean yeah
0: and that's hard and then vivek comes around and vivek (laughs) slams the door on it for me right with his really interesting campaign he slammed the door and he was really addressing the critical race theory stuff and was just saying no what We've focused too long on what divides us that we've lost track of what unites us across that divide. Great line. <clears throat> and, um, you know, what would Professor say to your question about what do they want? Because he knows that people are going to say, what do, and they're just going to say, guys, what do we want? And I think it's a perspective shift.
2: Okay. So, what would the answer to what would you say a reasonable answer would be? Um reparations are off the table but we want to better the culture and mend fences that you know, all conjecture guess, nobody's holding you Yeah to I, it. Guess, I I I think I
0: think I think the question of is there a problem within the black community culturally was was completely ignored frankly mm. so i have to acknowledge that um, we focused on the system mm. and the way the way blacks have been treated um it, through the lens of this professor's opinion and set many people who share his view, not Clarence Thomas, that's a whole nother can of worms, you know, to the question of what about black conservatives? They will say very clearly and academically, hey, they're in the minority of the black community. And so it's not an individualistic I, 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 I 100% approach.
1: disagree with that statement at this point right. in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I live in a neighborhood where I think I'm probably a minority. Um, it's uh, white is definitely a minority in my neighborhood. When I am walking my dog, when I'm talking to neighbors, I have yet, and I'm not making this up, (laughs) I have yet to have a conversation with one of my neighbors that would consider themselves a liberal. It's all conservatives. And they all talk about the same thing about the kind of a conspiracy against them and the reason why they are supporting Donald Trump in the upcoming election is they believe that, uh, he is the best way forward to try to get us back to some common sense. And I'm blown away by it because the narrative tells you otherwise. Uh, but my experience, I'm not meeting a lot of people, uh, across the board that are, uh, progressives. I'm meeting a lot of white people that are progressive liberals. I'm meeting a lot of feminists that are progressive liberals. Um, and that's on both sides of doesn't matter what your skin color is. So it seems to me that there is actually uh, a narrative that's false at this point in time that's painted on uh, ethnicity about which side somebody's going to vote for in the upcoming election, as well as where things might stand in our country. People are just afraid to speak up. People are afraid of being ridiculed. I, I was just in the dentist office yesterday and my dentist said to me, hey, uh, your, your podcast, you're a public school teacher. Do you ever worry about losing your job? And I said, no, I, I, I honestly, I don't. And he goes, well, you you cover some pretty risque topics. You, you kind of go out there and talk about things that maybe you're not supposed to. I said, what are you not supposed to talk about with truth? What am I not allowed to explore in an open environment? The minute that I start, you know, becoming bigoted in my approach on my shows or is that I know it all, that would be the time where I would be like, yeah, maybe I'm gonna get fired for this. But I think the most beautiful we can, thing we can do is disagree to agree and try to come up with more solutions for the future. Um, so here's, here's where I'm going with this. Brian, in your conversations, in, in this lens that we're starting the show off with, which I wasn't expecting to start there, but I'm glad that we did, Where are you leaning right now? If the election was going to be tomorrow, um, you don't have to endorse a candidate. I don't want you to endorse a candidate. I want you to endorse ideals. What does your ideal look like in a candidate that would represent you?
0: Well, I've always been attracted to a candidate who can, on voting day, I want to vote for someone who is better than me. I know that's better than me um, who can articulate a vision that is positive and that I have trust in. And as I mature uh, generally and with my legal education, um, that's changing a little bit. so the, so but still generally speaking, you know, I want, Someone who sounds like Obama, right? Sounds like Vivek pretty close. Does a good job. Different, very different. As well. But I want to be, yeah, Biden was the exception in, in that I wasn't uh, inspired, really. It was just a vote because I couldn't vote for Trump. So I have no idea how I'm going to vote. I'm genuinely in limbo. Um, I don't think I could vote for Biden again. I, that's what's interesting about it is that I don't think I could vote for Biden. I just can't see it. And in
1: the last election, you couldn't vote for Trump. And now you're like, I can't vote for Biden. Right. Is there any reason at all that you could make for voting for Trump?
0: sure and this allows me to address some of what you just said before which i really wanted to do because you said a lot of interesting stuff there and trump represented the primal reaction to all this stuff like crt that's coming from i think academia and i i think i went into the hornet's nest so to speak i don't mean to be pejorative um but at the time when it was like at its peak crt was was Uh, DeSantis was all over the news with it. I was studying it. I'm, I'm at a good law school from an amazing professor. I'm getting the source. And the reality is I think it exists in academia and the government is definitely pushing it with, in various forms, but does it exist in, in the neighborhood? Not that I see, not that you see. And so Trump is a reaction to that. And, and if, if not intellectually, people are understanding emotionally, like, no, like, what we're being told in Fed doesn't make sense, and you brought up the, the word mainstream narrative just before, and that is what we're doing, right? First of all, searching for truth, I mean, at its base. It's a whole other conversation, but truth, what is true? What is proper in terms of government, in terms of society? Um, and then when you start asking that question, the problem is you don't know when to stop. I mean, how deep does the rabbit hole go? And you could go off your rocker and I'm, I'm afraid that I need to you know, make sure I come back down to earth. So, who am I gonna vote for? Shit, man, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one given the dynamics because <clears throat> yeah, Trump, he just didn't speak to my better angels, right? But it's so interesting and so horrible, the dynamic. That
1: it could it be possible? All right, Brian. We're going to take a quick break here. Everybody, go over to loud dot shop. You can check out all the sponsors, great products for your health and wellness that help bring you liberty, messages of truth and freedom here on America Out Loud News. Very important for you to go do that. As well as, we'll be right back after these break, where we will talk about whether or not you can trust what the government agencies are telling us at this point in time in the light of some of the big stories that have come out. I'm going to ask Brian about that. As always, you've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, our special co-host, Chris Michaels, and our amazing guest, Brian Eskow. We'll be right back.
2: When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, We fight for the liberty of all, at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans, America Outloud talk radio, liberty. And justice for all.
0: Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Fight back with HealRight. HealRight is a bar you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Take action today. Visit healright.com outloud or americaoutloud.shop and use the code outloud for 20% off. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new CoFixRx Rx throat spray to your order with the coupon code outloud, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code out loud use cofix
1: because it works i'm going to ask you a question this past week this report comes out that the fbi informant lied about joe biden and burisma right
0: I, admittedly I've had my head in the sand this okay. last week I'm usually really up to date with certain sure. events so brief me yeah on I'll, right
1: I'll right. brief you on it absolutely so on the uh, FBI uh, 1023 report which is kind of uh the misappropriation that he filed a legal document uh, this uh, uh I think it's, uh, Alexandria. I had it on my show the other day. I should have his name right off the top of my head. Soraki. Yeah.
0: It's like some Eastern yeah. Europeans or Yeah, something. But
1: anyway, he, Whatever. he lied to the FBI. He was a hired informant and said that Joe Biden took $5 million from Burisma, but he called him, you know, top guy, number one, and then the son, you know, businessman number one, but this is what the Republicans were using as part of their impeachment inquiry. Now it wasn't the whole impeachment agree. So unlike Democrats would like you to think it all falls apart here. It doesn't. Um, my question is this. I know so many people don't like Donald Trump. I know we have listeners to this show. They'll write to Chris and myself and say, you know, Donald Trump is going to ruin this country. He's literally Hitler. How do you guys not see it? I don't believe that.
0: Retarded. Excuse my language. Honest reaction.
1: Okay. I mean, you're probably along the lines of where Chris and I are when we get those type of text. My question is this though, if the FBI informant can lie about Joe Biden, why can't we at least go there and say our FBI informants and the judicial system lying about Donald Trump?
0: Hmm. All I can tell you is that, and maybe this is a part of me being a low information bullshit artist, you know, who just operates on field, but I know my dad is one of these people who says 60 judges and this and that case closed, blah, blah, blah. couldn't conceive of the concept. Oddly, my dad actually concedes that Russiagate is bullshit, but he won't. This is how strong it is. Like, I'm like, Dad, you, why can't you go a step further then and just ask, you know, question if maybe it's possible that things are, you know, out to get Trump? So, what was your question again? I'm so sorry.
1: So, so if, could you imagine that if the Department of Justice and the FBI have some problems now? Uh, we can see this coming out in the courts. We can see this with the FBI's, uh, bad informant. I think that that might strengthen a case for Mm -hmm. Donald Trump's second term. If people were to ponder, wait, maybe this is all corrupt in the background. Maybe there is a weaponized FBI and alphabet agencies. Well, the problem with
0: that is then nothing matters and you can't trust anything and it goes back to what the, you know, so, you know, (laughs) Yeah. I can certainly imagine that. I have always thought that Trump was treated unfairly by the media and uh, the government, frankly,
1: I just have, and I'm not a supporter. And But this is why I wanted to bring you onto the show because a lot of people will hear you make that statement and go, well, he's secretly a Donald Trump supporter. There's no way he's not a Donald Trump yeah,
0: supporter. Yeah. Many people have said that um, to me and um, it's not true at all. I mean, and you know, it's just, <laughs> It just happens to be, and it's peculiar. And I don't have a lot of, uh,
2: I'm like homeless, man. I think a lot of people are too visceral. So they only act upon emotions and they don't dare question anything. And I think we can get into a deep psychological discussion as to why these people act the way they do, you know, whether or not it's to fit in, they want to be a part of a crowd. They want to be part of the in thing. Uh, They want to agree with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and The View and all that. (laughs) Um, But I think what we're starting to find out after four hideous years is that they lied. And they lied a lot. And so you're starting to get independence to believe that, hey, wait a minute, I should question this stuff. Um, And I think there are a lot more independent voters than anybody would like to admit that start to see that, wait a minute, Trump has really been raked over the coals with all of this. And even though we don't like him, we certainly don't like our bank accounts right now. So what what do we do with all of this? I mean, if it's going to be a choice between I'm going to say it this way, I'm going to say it's either Kabbalah Harris or it could be. Uh, Gavin <laughs> Gruesome. I think those two maybe big. big. I don't problems. think he's feasible. No, okay. you don't think so? Because I saw when you're in Mexico with Bill Clinton, you know, spilling tea. What are you talking about? Is, is it going to be Gavin Newsom for VP? Is it is that what it is?
0: Mm. Oh, Kamala Newsom. Yeah. I, no, I mean, I understand the appeal. I mean, he's the perfect guy for the role. No. I just I just think the hypocrisy with the French Laundry scandal was politically fatal. That's just my opinion. You just, how do you get elected president after that kind of hypocritical political PR problem, or let alone actual hypocrisy? I think, and, and then and then the crime and the um, unhappy dissatisfaction in California. I, I actually, um, as perfect as he is for the role, I just don't see it happening.
2: I, I agree with you, uh, and. What really struck me as odd is that you had that debate between Newsom and DeSantis. So odd. What I mean, that is just cringeworthy. I mean, DeSantis was out there in his four-inch heels, looking <laughs> as stiff as anything, like he still had a hanger in his suit jacket. And what was that about? I mean, it looks to yeah. me, honestly, it so looks weird. to me like it's going to be Kabbalah Harris. And I mm. really do not believe for a second that You've heard the last of Ron DeSantis, because I think the people that are backing Nikki Haley are going to try to make him the VP slot and the VP choice hmm. so that they can combine the voting block to go against Trump. So if we were to go down that road, what do you think? Do you think it would be Harris oh, News versus Haley wow. DeSantis? Well,
0: I mean, it's certainly plausible. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, every presidential election, I assume, is interesting. But uh, so if that's the dynamic, uh, well... So if it's Haley, DeSantis, yeah. oh man, I'm With going Haley Bowen DeSantis. I'm going. I'm going Haley DeSantis. You're going
2: Haley case. DeSantis. Oh man, yes, wow. Oh. Welcome
0: to I mean, World I, War I, I'm, I'm, Three. Welcome well, to well, globalist Legends. Is, is, is Kamala any different? Uh, okay, so you're saying well, she's so well Haley bested. is.
2: In Haley
0: is too, yeah. is too extreme. So you're saying <laughs> you're saying Haley is particularly extreme. She doesn't just represent any average mainstream no, uniparty person. No.
2: Sorry. All right. So this is what I don't like about Haley. A, a couple of things. Number one, she wants everybody to register their online presence with the government.
0: That's so, an immature take. That was bad.
2: Yeah, well, I
1: know, but she, no, no, her on her oh, part.
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. i
0: it wouldn't be um, the first time that always-
1: Michaels has an immature take. <laughs> I,
0: I, <laughs> no, we've all had that thought, right? Like we've all been on Twitter for 20 minutes. and right. This was my experience at Lice. And he's like, oh, man, like maybe it makes sense. But like if you spend like an hour or a month actually doing social media, I think that argument kind of would fade away from a serious thinker.
2: Right. So she wants everybody to be logged. Right. And have their name, address, phone number, email, all that stuff. Meanwhile, she doesn't even use her real name when she's running for president. Mm. So that's one. Two, I mean, her husband and what he's tied to with defense contractors. And I don't care. You sat on the board of what, Boeing, right? Do you really think you're fired from that role, especially when you're running for president? And when you have Hillary Clinton, uh, mega donors dumping cash on you, Karl Rove's wife making a huge fundraiser for her. Um, So that's where I'm coming from on that. I mean, the reasons against Newsom and Harris are obvious, but Nikki Mm -hmm. Haley, it's going to be more war. And you seemingly... I'm a uh, you're a Vivic love fan yeah. yeah right yeah you love war you can't get enough of it uh, a vivid fan so what he was absolutely a hundred percent correct when he <clears throat> said Nikki Haley wants to send more people across the world to die and she can't even point on a map where she wants right. them to die in brutal
1: that was mm-hmm. the most amazing part of that entire debate oh
0: my god look at the eyes look at the eyes she's giving us yeah, that right <laughs> the follow-up she's like, <laughs> she's like oh man my
1: pants she's are just down move on, on she's just like I know what to do just move on the moment will pass I'm yep. a politician 20, <laughs> 24 hours later hopefully people forget about this no one's watching this debate anyway <laughs> yeah you know you bring
0: up that's really interesting if it was like if it was DeSantis at the top of the ticket or a Vivek or someone who is not so connected to the war industry it would be easy for me to say hey yeah, man right. I'm gonna I'm gonna cross over for the first time so but
1: it would that would be tough Brian, you've been interviewing nothing but libertarian presidential candidates for like oh, the wow. past month. Is there anybody that you would vote for in the libertarian party right now? I know that they haven't decided their candidate either, but mm, is there yeah. somebody that you were like, you know what, out of all the people, cause I, I, I have my person in the yeah. libertarian
0: party. Will you tell me if I, I mean, I'm going to answer your question yeah, regardless.
1: I'll answer as okay. well. Absolutely. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, I am a little bit enamored by with my most recent guest, the man who must have surely had a mm-hmm. legitimate conflict when he stood you up. <laughs> I am enamored by him. I'm just so drawn to writers, great writing, mm-hmm. and um so for at, for the moment, but there but there's a real good argument for a Mike Termott as well. Um uh, they're so different. Mm-hmm. So I certainly don't know, but I would I would say that rechtenwald let's assume rechtenwald and i don't know if this is the case but mike terma and all of them are all equally aligned first of all i need to i'm speaking to chase oliver in the near future and uh i'm hoping to meet joshua smith who is a larger Mm -hmm. presence than i had even known and by the way i know nothing i'm just getting into this community it's bizarre and i'm so fortunate to have connected with these people maybe they need to raise their standards um and um, so chase should be interesting but Wald's communication ability, his writing style, I connect with and dig. That's cool. I mean, he's cool. So, yeah. Right. I would say
1: A friend of the shows actually is doing Rechtenwald's, uh video content. So um, I do mm-hmm. have kind of a direct line uh, to him when I need him. So that's yeah. why I, I jab a little bit more about him not doing the show yet because I'm like, hey. Come on. I, I, I have a direct line to you. Um, right. I think I even wrote to you I, Didn't I like send you like contact info at one point or something with him. Or I, I think I did. Um, you might have. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't recall. Honestly. I, yes. Um, anyway, the, the point that I'm getting at, at I'm like point, Joe Biden. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope you're not like Joe Biden. You forget <laughs> you're doing the show in about five minutes. Mm. Um, cause it's <laughs> getting late, you know, you didn't get your Jared tall yeah. yet. Um, <laughs> the candidate for me at this point is not Michael Rechtenwald. Uh, I have not had an opportunity to speak with him. So I don't know That's fair to hundred percent say, um, the reason I like Mike termot so much, Mike termot is electable when you like, I've actually stood like in the same room with Mike. I've been at Washington DC with him, had conversations. He is an affable, likable person. His humor comes through. He connects with people extremely well. Mm-hmm. He can articulate the issues. Uh, he was tied to George Bush's Federal Reserve, working in it uh, earlier in his career. Uh, he's got a career in law enforcement that gives him that everyday type of uh, person experience. I think he can reach across dials. Um, I really like Mike Termont, although I don't think any of the Libertarian candidates have a shot in this election whatsoever, because we have RFK Jr. running so in the background. Yep. And that is gonna be the great mixer. I mean, we really are searching for political identity, so to speak, in twenty twenty four with the options that we have. And the irony is I don't think that there's any political identity with really all three candidates. Uh, mainstream candidates. If your assumption
0: oh so so if if you're saying Termot, Rechtenwald, and RFK are the three. Yep. And and yeah, so Termot I love as well. And I totally agree with you. And I I, I would say I have equal feelings about them, but think about it. Rechtenwald appeals to the emotion and I just spoke to him. So for that reason, I'm going to say Rechtenwald right now. That makes sense, right? But Termot is so, I don't want to use the word polish. I don't want to use the, but he's, he's, he's all the things you said. And, um, the question is, let's assume, um, that it would be possible, which you said it, it is not, uh, for the libertarian candidate to actually do it this time who has a better shot between the two? Well, is it the Javier Malay type and wears it on his sleeve or is it the traditional politician in a good way type? Mm-hmm. It's an, it's a very interesting question.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Just for the record, RFK junior has no shot whatsoever in getting the libertarian nomination.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's really one of the things that I've feel like an insight I've gained um, actually in the last week or so, is that finally understanding what, what the difference between an independent and a libertarianism.
1: Oh, big a difference.
0: Yeah, so I to me, it's like, okay, the independent has to be independent from something. Independent from what? Like the joke I what I've been saying, I'm, I know what it means to be independent from my mom, from my parents, from America to England, but what does it mean to be politically independent? And so it's from the moneyed interests. Okay, like the corporate interests. Mm-hmm. And, and then the libertarian is, we, we don't want the state. So they're different. They're very different. Michaels,
1: jump in here. <laughs> You're still quiet over there. Like I'm he's sorry, he's taking I it all in. Cough. Right? <laughs> but RFK, yeah.
0: So it doesn't seem to me, from what little I know of the libertarian community and philosophy, doesn't make sense. Logic, it doesn't make sense philosophically that RFK would be the guy,
2: right? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I mean, if you look at RFK's poll, I think he's vying for the No Labels Party nomination. And if you look into them, they are, uh, you know, they're trying to get a third party candidate, middle of the road kind of guy. And they just love people like, oh, I don't know, former senator from Connecticut, Lieberman, because he is one of the founding members. Another founding member of No Labels is one of Joseph Biden's former speech writers. So, I mean, are we really looking at the third party, middle of the road type of candidate from no labels? No, of course not. Um, And, you know, RFK leans down a very, very tyrannical style of policy when it comes to uh, environmental policy. Uh, He tweeted a few things during COVID uh, wanting to extend mandates and all that for the environment, the Green New Deal and all that. So I don't don't Mm -hmm. necessarily agree to that. But. Let me ask you a question. If we are going down the libertarian path here, what is the best libertarian, I guess, response to Joseph Biden as to why he needs to go?
0: Oh, gosh, because he's the ultimate representation of the worst fear of a libertarian, which is an uncontrolled. It's one thing. No well so the whole thing is like that that the state exists and that it's yeah. increasing its own power and domain over the individual and that it's growing and imagine having someone on top of that who doesn't even know what's going on is controlled by the under part of it it's yeah. just the worst possible situation you don't even have someone at the top from their point of view that uh, even understands it potentially and so it's just wildly increasing right so but they would say that about Just about everyone. But I guess that's what would make Joe Biden particularly worrisome. But I Mm. think anyone in general, if they're not tearing it down, then they're not even considerable. And I think a lot of people would say Trump is not tearing it down even at all as well.
2: There are ways that he has stumbled. We know that. (laughs) So I want to, can we go down a different path a little bit? I mean, what do we think should be drug policy? Over the next couple of years, particularly Mm -hmm. on the libertarian angle, because we see a lot of this. I mean, I live in New York, so I don't travel into New York City very often um, because of what's been going on over the past couple of years. Last time I went in there, people were dealing drugs all over the streets, right in public. Nobody cared right in Times Square, uh, stepping over excrements, watching people perform lewd acts. Everybody walked by like it didn't matter. So. Is there a drug problem? I would say so, but what do you think that should be done about it?
0: So the people that I've heard who are smart seem to be saying legalize it all because that gets the drug cartels out of business. That makes it um, regul. You know, if you I don't want to use the word regulate in the context of libertarianism, but you know, to make it a legitimate business would be to make it safer. Um, and that ultimately it's a completely harmful to have any sort of, well, the war on drugs, but any drug laws at all, frankly, are harmful. So I think that makes a lot of sense to me at this point. Um, but what, you know, what happens when you do that and how do you deal with what happens when you do that? Certainly you can't just say, okay, like whatever, you know, so I don't know, but I like, I favor total legalization of all drugs at this point, just from a logical perspective, like, like, you know, and so, so people say, so you want it at Walgreens? Like when my kid, so maybe, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but. Who's winning from the dynamic we have now? I don't see anybody winning. I see only harm
1: being done. Yeah, the war right. on drugs is largely uh, something that our own DEA has been implicated in <laughs> yeah. decades ago. Um, yeah, I, I, Michaels, you already think, I think you know this about me. I would legalize every single drug. And that upsets some people. But here's the thing personal responsibility. Is something that's very very important and and no i don't think i'd legalize all drugs for people under the age of 18. i think that there's still some common sense to be had about the developing brain uh making sure that we're good stewards of society can can Uh,
2: i make a distinction are we talking about
1: pharmaceutical drugs are we talking about things like they We're know, talking marijuana about psilocybin, yeah, marijuana, psilocybin, uh, whatever. All I'd legalize it. all of it. You know what heroin hell legalize it. If someone could go to, uh, their local Walgreens and get their heroin, which I can't believe I'm even saying this, but I'm just getting it from the point of, <laughs> if you know, you're getting it from a source, that's not going to have it laced with fentanyl, maybe it will save some lives. Although I think heroin has killed more of my friends in my lifetime than any other drug. So that pains me to say that, but my point is just. People have got to take personal responsibility for their lives and stop relying on the state or the government to protect them from themselves. Legalize it. Um, It will take violent crime off the streets uh people that are drug dealers it's going to be amazing to watch how fast the gang violence starts to dissipate when they no longer are pushing drugs on street corners for a quick profit when marijuana is just easily accessible wherever they want it or whatever else you want to be able to purchase all of a sudden what are your turf wars going to be over like (laughs) who spits better bars i mean come on like (laughs) it would be a much safer go ahead
2: imagine the uh spiritual enlightenment that we'd get from all of that particularly mm-hmm. in the field of psychedelics i mean we're looking at another 60s revolution again i mean great all right i'm in i'm on board let's all do drugs in a safe way <laughs> 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 yeah
0: <laughs> basically that all of that yeah i mean what's the argument there's a decriminalizing versus legalizing and the guy that i take my advice from on this is a former convict uh Seriously, um, I've connected with this guy who did some did some hard time for some serious financial fraud that he did. I mean, i this guy is no angel, but he's really sharp. And he got to know the cartels uh, in prison, and they they wanted him to to run numbers for them. I mean, so he got to know their business. Mm. And I think where he go, he's a libertarian by nature. So, but he goes full legalization because yeah. he wants to take them out of business.
2: All right, All right. That makes sense. Have you ever read? Uh... Robert Anton Wilson? No. no. Okay. It's
0: I could wrong. have just answered the question before you said the name.
2: No, 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 no. It's okay. <laughs> He's like, I don't read. Come on. <laughs> no, I. You know what? It's it's funny uh, because doesn't Portugal have a yes, a very lenient yeah about it?
0: And I don't know. I I've heard people. I've heard chatter recently that like maybe signs are that it's not worth. Initially, the reviews were very positive. I don't know how it's panning out, but initially I heard good things, but it's, it's crazy with that. And with homeless, like, what do you do? Like, so God, do you do drastic things, which is not libertarian at all, but that's the state taking, do you relocate people? Do you do tent cities? Do you have, this guy's vision is put them, give them access to all the drugs they want. Some will die. Others will self-medicate. Some will get better, very few of them. Some will just live in these trailer parks that we're going to build, these mobile, you know, but, but do it. So I guess even this libertarian, I guess the reality is, see, it's going to be involved no matter what we do. And so it's just a matter of what we're going to do and how we're going to justify it.
2: Right. I mean, so this is a very, it's almost a very draconian path that we have to go down to solve these problems. doesn't look like there's a good answer for any of it. Um,
0: It seems like because, well, it seems like we find ourselves in a time where there is cause to find a drastic central, someone to do a law and order candidate, a Trump, let's say someone there's an argument for someone to come in and just fix things, but that's not very
1: libertarian. No. no one can fix our problems. Right.
0: Only and it goes back to the culture and what's wrong. Yes.
1: Now and we're so back at the Gavin beginning Newsom, of the yeah, now we're back at the Gavin, beginning of the conversation.
0: Has Gavin Newsom neglected his job as governor, permitting this feeling of lawlessness in California? Probably, possibly. It feels that way to me. But people what's going on? Like why are the why is there so much theft? What is the problem?
2: That's true too. I mean, I think we're looking at a, a, an issue with human nature, though, and the culture in America itself.
0: And it's not just black culture.
2: No, no, I, I didn't mean it that way.
0: Right, but but you know, we are, you know, there's a place for that conversation, but generally, um is is our culture deteriorating?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: And so critical race theory plays a role in that. Why we've attacked the the culture that we have and the way I'm looking at it lately is like, well, yeah, I mean, it is a white system, so to speak, that it were derived from. We've derived from a white system. It didn't come from Angola, right? Like our founding fathers. And so, what are we going to do about that? What does that mean?
2: Uh, Google Gemini would contest your claim that they didn't come <laughs> from Angola.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know if you saw those pictures. <laughs>
0: yeah, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, but can I ask you guys about, or I want to ask you about the AI and the alien conversations. In what do you what what, what to make of this?
1: Why why don't we get to that question in just a quick moment? Okay, I want to I want to wrap up here on the network, um, and then let everybody know you you want to continue this conversation from here. uh, You're going to have to go over to one of the social media formats. Type in America, emboldened or on X at Real Greg go to my Patreon page, Patreon.com/backslash. America emboldened where the the after party so to speak is where Brian's going to ask a lot of other questions now if you've been enjoying this conversation like I have and I know Chris is at this point too uh Brian Escal, our guest is hosting his own show on all of your favorite podcast networks and that show is called searching for political identity and in our conversation here I think we actually did a really good job of searching the entire way through for what is the ideology? And we didn't answer any questions for listeners and I apologize for that. That was never the intent of today tonight's episode. The intent was simply to have that conversation and to um, open up maybe our minds to an alternative uh, viewpoint. And I think Brian might've challenged my listeners a little bit there with critical race theory and I appreciate that. And uh, perhaps you, you heard something that you enjoyed. If you did, make sure you reach out to Brian, at Brian Escal. Uh, E-S-K-O-W, Brian, B-R-I-A-N. He's on X as well. Send him a message, let him know you heard him here on American Bolden. Brian, thank you for being part of the network show. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. It's an honor. I I was hesitant to be a guest because I'm in search mode and so what, what could I really offer? But it's an honor to connect with you and to be here.
1: Well, thank you, Brian. I think Jack Kerouac said it best. He says, I have nothing to offer but my own confusions. For all those listening on the America Out Loud Network, we hope that we honored your time. Well, we'll see you on Monday with more uh, more great conversations and dialogue about what's going on in this country. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden, with my special guests, Chris Michaels and Brian Escal here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. <music>